0: This is the Pharma Forum podcast. My name is Dominic Tyre, and I'm Pharma Forum's creative and editorial director. This special episode is sponsored by Impetus Digital and features the virtual engagement agency's co-founder and CEO, Natalie Eden. She talks about how she came to found Impetus and the evolution of the industry's approach to virtual collaborations. She also considers a year and a half into the evolving experience of our new normal environment, where the farmers' virtual collaborations have become more sophisticated. And there are also some tips on some of the most effective ways pharma companies can use virtual engagement approaches. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast and Stitcher, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for PharmaForum. Natalie, welcome to the PharmaForum podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So I'd like to start off by hearing a little bit about your professional background and how it uh, led you to come to found Impetus.
1: Absolutely. Um, I was in the pharmaceutical business for over 18 years Uh, I worked in Canada and the U.S. in a myriad of different positions, including sales and marketing, market planning and business development and uh, launch products and done all kinds of things like that. So I have a very, very keen understanding of what it's like to manage a brand, start a brand, go through the entire brand lifecycle, working with teams and, of course, completely understanding the whole compliance, regulatory and legal infrastructure, if you will, that we have to work under. Um, it was really interesting because in my last major role, I worked for a pharmaceutical company where I was doing a lot of work with advisors and physicians and allied healthcare providers and payers. We did a lot of advisory boards. And I recall having some of the really fabulous conversations with people, really interesting insights that were shared at these meetings. And I had every plan after coming out of that six to eight-hour meeting with the intention of getting back to the advisors, letting them know how we were reacting and responding to all of their great ideas. And then life got in the way. I had to go onto another plane to get to another meeting, to another conference. I had to prepare for another presentation. And then all of that good intention just kind of fell by the wayside. And I really felt at that time that there was something missing, something intrinsic, the ability to continue to remain connected to our customers, to our advisors on a consistent basis so that we were building trust we were building credibility, and it wasn't just this one-off interactional point. Um, I actually joined my business partner, Janice Smith, who also has 18 years experience in pharma. We have a very, very interesting trajectory that's very similar. Um, and we started Impetus realizing that we weren't going to be able to fix the problem from the same place we were in. We needed to leverage technology. And so we are really some of the early o- entrepreneurs and pioneers in the online engagement space.
0: And within that, was, was there one particular spark that um, the kind of light bulb moment that made you come to that the decision to found the company, or was it more of a gradual realization as you worked within the the, the pharma and life sciences uh, area?
1: Well, like as I was mentioning earlier, it was it was that realization when I finished the advisory board, realizing that I was never able to get back to people. I wasn't continuing the conversation. That um, there was always a big gap that what I thought was a continual movement and interaction with my clients, on the client's perspective, they were only seeing me maybe once a year at these advisory boards. And that's just because I was just too busy and there wasn't any tools, if you will, to enable this consistent engagement. So it really was sort of a light bulb moment is that there had to be a better way to do. There had to be a more consistent and efficient and cost-effective way and approach to be able to have continuous conversations with our physicians. And email wasn't necessarily the answer because we've all had the experience where email got lost, deleted, um, the conversations really couldn't be managed that way. And there had to be something that was more specific, safe, secure, and compliant. And that's really where the origination of our asynchronous virtual touchpoints platform, what we also call the Insight Events Platform and the Insight Touchpoints, all of this using the Impetus Insight Platform. It's It's a registered platform.
0: And that, that um, platform really must have given you a, a first-hand view of the farmers' shift, gradual perhaps shift, to uh, more virtual working. We've seen huge accelerations from that, of course, over, over the initial phases of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. I'd love to get your, your thoughts on what kind of initial difficulties you thought perhaps the industry faces, uh, or faced rather, adapting to, to that change, that move to more virtual working.
1: Yeah. So really great questions. Um, Our company started 13 years ago and you can probably imagine the world 13 years ago. is very different than what it is today, even pre-COVID, but certainly post-COVID. We were really pioneering in the fact that there was some very visionary people that we work with because, again, people were very instilled in the traditional legacy ways that they were running in-person, face-to-face meetings. That was the way, that was the standard and nobody really wanted to rock the boat. So when we started working earlier on, 13 years ago, we were working with truly visionary people that wanted to do some tra- digital transformation. And it really was a sort of a slow trudge along. Um, 13 years later, we are a company that works over many, many countries across the globe: um, Canada, the US, Middle East, Africa, Latin America, Asia, Australia, et cetera. We work with many enterprise, large pharma companies, and so we've seen this progression, this adoption, even prior to COVID-19. Now, since COVID-19, we realized that people were already on the trajectory to doing digital and virtual engagement. It was a really important part of people's omni-channel and multi-channel concepts, meeting people to where they were, what they need needed. We see a lot of newer physicians using multiple screens, two to three screens in front of them at any given time. And they weren't going to as many of these in-person meetings. Um, In addition, travel was difficult. People's schedules were really riddled with um, conflicts, etc. COVID-19 was an accelerant. It wasn't necessarily a change agent. It had just accelerated what was already happening. And so what we did see is, obviously, some of the early adopters were already pursuing and pushing forward with what they were already doing with our asynchronous and synchronous virtual engagements with their customers. And some of the people that were more in the middle or on the laggards were suddenly coming to a place where there was a moratorium on in-person meetings. They weren't able to fly people to a hotel, putting them in a place for six to seven hours and meeting with them. They had to come up with a solution. A lot of people came to impetus to ask how they could engage. And so one of the things we found was a bit of a challenge in adopting and adapting to this virtual new world was people were doing what we call virtual translation. They were taking the concepts that they had with the in-person meetings, sort of very heavy agenda with a lot of topics, a lot of presentations in a six or eight hour meeting and simply translating that virtually. They took the synchronous virtual platform that we had. They wanted to run a meeting for six to seven hours with the same kind of agenda. That's what I would call virtual translation. From there, we've really been trying to get people to start thinking about truly digital transformation, not translation. Transformation means rethinking how you are engaging. So instead of taking that six to eight hour meeting, let's, which let's be really honest, in a virtual synchronous capacity, which is done through Teams or Zoom or other things, it can be very energy depleting. You don't have the same natural expenditures or being able to get out for a coffee or go out for lunch or meet somebody in the hallway or go to the bathroom. So it can be very energy depleting. So instead of having these really heavy meetings and getting people really engaged and and losing a lot of people during this time, we got people to say, what if you could take this meeting and divide it up into multiple, small, digestible, one-hour increments and do it asynchronously, meaning not real-time, allowing people to answer a series of questions using a lot of variety of tools At Impetus, we have a series of really best-in-class tools, survey tools, discussion forum tools, annotator tools, idea mapping tools, the kinds of tools that were never available to people in the traditional ways in emails, and that's why people never wanted to do these things virtually. So being able to dissect these into small assignments, small increments, things that gave people a feeling of fresh starts, of interesting, of being able to interact with their colleagues, to be able to read materials, ruminate and process it, in their own special time when they were available and when on any device and when they actually had time to do it. So these kinds of touch points could be open for a day, two weeks, a month, and people could log in at any time on any device when it's convenient for them. There could be a moderator, there could be people they could go back and forth and interact with their colleagues and get email notifications and all of those sorts of things. So it gave people a new shedding on a light on how they can engage people continuously Throughout the year, as opposed to a one-off, throw everything to the wall and hope something sticks type of interaction, they can continue to interact, build trust, credibility, solve problems, move work agendas forward um, over the course of six months or a year.
0: Mm, that's interesting. And, and there's clearly a reason why collectively within the industry spoken so much, I think, around um, Zoom, things like Zoom fatigue and um, how, as you say, energy depleting some of these online uh, approaches can can be as you see companies um, embark on or continue accelerate along this um, curve of true digital transformation. What sort of um, kinds of insights or in- engagement do you think companies are able to to get from the the, the approaches that you were, you were outlining there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been really interesting for us over the past thirteen years to really determine some of the benefits of these asynchronous touch points using these tools, allowing people to interact over time in this really innovative way. And as again, I really wanted to stress, one of the reasons people have been reticent about virtual is they, number one, we've never had tools available to us beyond email or a Zoom meeting. And number two, we didn't know how to use these tools, right? So there's there's an adoption, there's a learning process, and and this takes time to be able to manage change. Now we have these great tools where you don't have to use a virtual reality mask or special glasses, or special expensive tools to be able to engage with virtual whiteboarding, or various other ways that you can annotate and get granular insights. So we've provided all these really great things in a personalized company branded, um, professionally managed. We actually provide white glove service with all the medical communication, consulting, project management, portal programming, and all these sophisticated reports. So it's really low touch and you can just engage with the advisors online. But one of the things that we thought was really interesting in the process is the quantity and the quality of the insights we got virtual. A lot of people believe the only way to build trust, the only way to build relationships is in person. And what we have discovered over the last two to five years is many people are building and developing their networks virtually, oftentimes building very strong work relationships with people they've never met before. And so just to show you the quantity and quality of insights, on average, we actually did a study recently to look at the average transcript report of a meeting with 20 advisors in in an eight-hour meeting versus the same 20 advisors in a one-hour asynchronous touchpoint. And we found that on average, we were getting 18 pages in an in-person meeting versus 50 pages of insights gathered in an asynchronous touchpoint, almost double the number of insights. One of the reasons we actually see this is because of what we call production blocking. In an in-person meeting, you usually have a couple of very verbose or opinionated people who are kind of taking over the conversation. And most people are either agreeing or they're afraid to counter some of the some of these individuals. So not everybody speaks equally. And in addition, you can't railroad or speak over somebody else. So what would typically be, um, we actually find when we did a cost evaluation of the number of words shared or spoken in an in-person meeting, it costs on average about $22 per advisor word, while in an asynchronous touchpoint of one hour duration, everybody can share their insights during that one hour of time. Um, so it's very, very cost effective. So the cost per advisor word goes down to 55 cents. So that's 55 cents versus $22. So what we also see is in an in-person meeting, we got an average of 145 minutes of active contribution over seven hours per advisor while in an online asynchronous one hour touch point, we get over a thousand minutes of active contribution for over an hour. So these are some of the really important nuggets that we've seen and is emerging as one of the advantages of doing this. In addition, cost effectiveness, you're not flying people, you're not paying for meals and all kinds of extra time and conflicts. So there's a cost savings element to it. The speed at which to get access to insight, something happens in the market, something happens with your competitor. You might actually have a supply chain issue or some other big thing that you need. We can actually get instant results so that you can actually feed in some of these insights to leadership to make strategic decisions. And last but not least, I think it's really important to note here is that you're also, as I was mentioning, being able to increase the reach. Um, Normally people go to the same people over and over again. They're the top notch influencers. So we always go to them because that's really where your budget stops. By using the same level of budget, you can actually increase the reach, go to some of these more um, dispersed or regional advisors or influencers. You can go to nurses, you can go to allied healthcare providers, you can now speak to patients. And so you have a broader swath of people that you can interact with in a more frequent basis. So these are just some of the advantages that we've seen by using the platforms. And I, I guess I just want to also mention is a lot of information can be anonymized. For example, if you're using patients and you don't want that you know anybody to be identified we've all kinds of really interesting tools that we've never seen in in person so we have live interpretation for synchronous virtual meetings so people can listen to presentations in their language of choice we've instant translation buttons asynchronously so that you can participate in discussions in your own language and use translation to see what other people have said Japanese Chinese Portuguese Italian it doesn't really matter and this crosses you know, time barriers or time issues, you know, time zone issues. So a lot of things that traditionally were issues about having in-person meetings are completely dismantled by using asynchronous.
0: We're now, I suppose, uh, around about a year and a half into the evolving experience of both the pandemic and the, the new environment or the new normal, as uh, we keep hearing about, uh, that it has in, engendered, from your perspective, where do you see uh, the industry as a whole um, responding to um, the opportunities of virtual collaboration? Do you see some companies waiting for a return to face to face or do you think um, the industry has fully embraced this new normal?
1: Yeah, and it's actually a great question because it's not only impacting what they're feeling towards how they're approaching the business of the traditional pharma business model, which has always been pharmaceutical sales rep or uh, medical science liaison going into the field, meeting people face to face. We realized that that was starting to dwindle with a lot of new legislation and changes and requirements. And now with COVID-19, it's making it even more difficult to do this. So in some ways, there's almost been a forcing of the hand to adopt and to translate and to really incorporate this as part of their multi-channel, omni-channel, meet the customer where they are, what the preferences of the customer, the N equals one requirement. So Also the utilization of algorithms, being able to detect and monitor opens, clicks, return emails, all those sorts of things, being able to determine what the best next logical step, the next best logical engagement would be, and certainly utilization of private platforms and advisor platforms like the Impetus Insight platform is certainly part of that equation. So I think it's also an interesting equation as it relates to the adoption of the work from home momentum. There's a lot of controversy about it. We're hearing a lot about large companies like the Googles and Facebooks, Amazons. Everybody is watching very diligently about what they're doing and how they're doing it in amidst the fourth wave of the COVID-19 pandemic and how people are responding and reacting. People are leaving companies. They're talking about lowering salaries. So all of this is part of that whole virtual collaboration and communication process. Um, I don't believe that this is ever gonna go away. I do think that there is gonna be an evolution of a hybrid. Um, And again, you're seeing this as also translating the work from home concept where there's a certain number of times or days or requirements where you need to collaborate, you need to meet, you need to brainstorm where people are gonna do this in person. And more specifically, when people are gonna need the requirement of socializing, the networking piece of it. Um, But then there's gonna be lots of productivity requirements of people being able to do things from home or another location that may not be in the office. So I think all of that work from home is also translating with how people are interacting with their customers. And I think that we're probably eventually gonna get into this really N equals one, personalized, customized, hybrid situation.
0: And looking to, to the future as this um, the picture can, um, continues to, to evolve, where where do you see the next steps for virtual engagement? Uh, you, is it going to be becoming increasingly sophisticated?
1: Absolutely. We're already starting to see people moving towards this. We've always been engaging with the asynchronous and the synchronous touch points with our clients. But even our synchronous, which is real time collaboration, sort of like the Zoom teams, I guess that's the scenario I can actually discuss. Impetus actually does all the back end work, everything from managing all the technical support, any of the complicated breakout rooms and, you know, back and forth and the banners and specialized filtering and game storming and all those sorts of things. But we're also starting to notice that people are engaging in, um, you know, wanting to use some of our immersive 3D backgrounds, or they might be engaging in what we're calling um, networking sessions. So Impetus can actually assist with people being able to do this networking before or after an actual advisory board meeting. Um, we're also seeing people doing more advanced um, things like socials. So uh, they would maybe do a yoga class or, um, you know, something before the meeting. And then maybe they're going to do like a happy hour after it. This can all be done virtually, which is really, really engaging and interesting. Um, We've also had mixology classes, rock bands, um, cooking classes. Um, The other thing that companies are doing as well, too, is engaging in what they're calling a virtual exhibit or poster session or several of these so that before people come to the advisory board meetings, they can actually mill around in the so-called virtual exhibit hall, be able to interact with materials and information and data from that company or others, while they're also networking with their colleagues. So we're really bringing some of these elements of what you would typically do in an in-person and we're creating the tools and the venue and the milieu so that people are feeling more and more comfortable being able to do these things. Um, I'm also sort of foreseeing collaboration really evolving in more of a 3D space place. Um, we're seeing a lot more utilization of things like um, on-site production and avatars, where you can actually be seeing somebody that, you know, like a major presenter or one of the, um, the mainstay presenters as an avatar. So this is something that's also coming into play a little bit more. But also we're starting to hear the Facebooks of the world talking about this concept of the metaverse. So what does this look like when we're all working and collaborating virtually? Right now, it's with the Oculus or the, you know, the the virtual reality headsets. But eventually, we're going to be in a place where we're working, collaborating, sharing presentations and screens and other kinds of whiteboards in a sort of a virtual reality space. So this is going to become more and more real. Uh, it's going to feel like how do you separate between what's going on in reality versus this metaverse that I think these are some of the things that we're sort of foreseeing as being the future of work.
0: Mm, that's interesting. And, and as that, that evolves, I suppose, when... When you look to things like Oculus headsets, there's still clearly um, a barrier, maybe, if you if look at it like that, in terms of that needing an additional technology component. But would I be right in thinking that as, as things evolve, that will recede perhaps and everything will be uh, even more accessible um, through everyday technology?
1: Absolutely. And that's just a matter of time. We already know that there's 3D TVs and all sorts of other things. The Oculus glass, in my opinion, is one of the key reasons VR has never taken off. It has sort of kind of taken a bit of a backseat. We already know that Apple is working on an Apple glass. And, you know, eventually they're going to be sort of very fashionable, if not completely indiscernible kind of glasses or mirrors or various other ways that you're going to be interacting and looking at data, um, you know, multi-layered, you know, what they call um, Augmented reality where you can actually look at something and immediately you, you know, you can see uh, you know, which is Google Lens or being able to determine and tap into the the internet to really understand what that object is and do all the research right there from your eyes. We're also getting really ahead of ourselves, but even Elon Musk's Neuralink, which eventually is a sort of a digital embed. Right now it's in your cerebrum, but this could be something that could be added to your ear or some other. Body part where it's going to start to be able to allow us to tap in and log into the internet, sort of like being part of the Internet of Things and increasing the some of the latency and broadband issues of the human brain. Um, This again is much further down the road, or it might not be. We're really accelerating with our technology and with our engagement uh, digitally. So these are all some of the really exciting things that we sort of
0: see on the horizon. So to round up this episode of the podcast, I'd, I'd really like to get your thoughts on what things pharma companies could be doing now that would be the most effective ways of uh, using virtual engagement approaches what 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 are your top tips for listeners
1: yeah uh, my main thing is is really just you know as the old steve jobs cliche uh, you know stay foolish stay hungry it's this is an opportune time of not getting really stuck in over compliance over legislating legacy infrastructure but really, you know, even if you have to start with a small committee, I know we usually have these innovation centers of excellence and what have you, ideally you would like this to be the mindset of a company, but even just starting small and having that seeding is you really need to give people the bandwidth and the opportunity to really expand and do something different. Um, if we get sort of stuck in the rut of the way we've always been doing things, we're not gonna be able to have that clear mindset and view into the journey of a true transformation. At the end of the day, it's really gonna come down to a modification of the business model of pharma. It's changing even the endpoints of what we deem to be success metrics and the typical P&L statements. We need to sort of look beyond just the financials and look more at some of the resiliency and the social endpoints. What are we doing to the environment? How are we doing our work? How do we look at supply chain? How do we get beyond just efficiency and look at resilience? How do we look at the resiliency of the clinical endpoints that we use in our trials? If we ever get stuck in a moratorium, are we really in a place where we can do discovery and innovation um, in in, uh, decentralized trials or hybrid trials? Are we really, really focused on the patient and how they perceive the endpoints to be truly useful in their life and not just what we think from our standpoint? So truly looking at crowdsourcing, really involving the patients, um, and really starting to look at new models around blockchain, encryption, um, being able to put data out there in a way that's available and accessible to everybody and really being able to tap into sort of these open databases where we kind of blur the lines between what's company A and company B, being able to come in, try to solve a problem, finding new and interesting ways to leverage um, investments and getting people involved um, and really kind of rethinking the idea of beyond chemical entities to start thinking about digital therapeutics, apps and um, all sorts of partnerships out of the traditional pharma. So there's a million things that we can do around discovery, use of quantum computers, development of materials in silica for uh, faster and cheaper discovery, and then being able to look at new business models, going beyond the idea of purchasing, uh, and this is actually beyond just pharma, but the traditional ways that we've looked at, payments for products, drugs, hospitals, looking at crowdsourcing and using caregivers, not looking at a shortage of beds at the hospitals, but looking at people and, and being able to keep them at home and being able to use the home and car as points of care um, in this sort of a care equation and, and leveraging tools like the Ceres um, the and the Alexas, um, even people like the uh, Best Buy Health and being able to use companies like Geek Squad, who are going to be doing in-person meetings and being able to help some of the aged people living at home who might be uh, more senior. So. There's a million different ideas about how to do healthcare differently. And uh, Pharma just sort of taking that courageous move um, into starting to think and being able to use futurists inside their organizations.
0: Oh, certainly plenty of food for thought there for, for listeners. But Natalie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the, the Pharma Forum podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.
0: And that concludes this Impetus Digital sponsored episode of the Farmer Forum podcast and my discussion with co-founder and CEO Natalie Eden about virtual engagement. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast and information about other installments in the series at farmerforum.com forward slash podcast. The Farmer Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast and Stitcher. Where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for PharmaForum. And don't forget to visit our website to sign up for daily or weekly email pharmaceutical news and analysis bulletins and follow us on Twitter where we are at PharmaForum.